0: What happened was this.
1: I thought we were here to have a good time, not talk about some random question of ethics. But it's such a fundamental concept. See, I don't like trouble. You know Angel's policy on trouble. Hmm. Are you okay? You don't look so good.
2: Mr. Jackson
1: says
0: that I'm fine.
1: No one deserves this. Who can say?
3: I'm not sure that we're the right ones to judge in a situation like
0: this. I could now hear a very strange hum coming from the building. Not exactly electric or supernatural, but certainly something that did not sound like it should be coming from a supposedly abandoned building.
4: Marcus Little? Sarah? Yes, let's go.
0: It's
5: just... What? You sound... Sound? I mean, you don't... Don't what? What?
6: Excuse me, I'm just nervous about being seen in public.
2: I know a place where we can go and talk. I'm just not... You want to be indecisive your whole life, or do you want to make some dough?
5: The Adventures of Marcus Little, Tall Tales and Small Rewards. A supernatural radio noir from Mid Valley Mutations and Pecho Grande films. Starring Jason Ramey, Emma Pace Jonas, and Jessica Ream. Featured in the cast are Travis Stone, William R. Harris, Jill Honestein. Little Theodore, Tim Maloney, Jeff Parks, Annabella Ramey, Sean Royal, Stella Starr Schaefer, Jesse Sutherland, Kelly Taylor, Dash Thompson, David the Weatherman Wills, and Heather Sikowski. The Adventures of Marcus Little. Tall Tales and Small Rewards. A Supernatural Radio Noir. From July 29th to September 2nd, tune in to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia at 12am CET or 3pm PST to hear The Adventures of Marcus Little in six small installments. All part of the Mid-Valley Mutations presentation. Visit marcuslittleadventures.com for more information.
1: Meanwhile, spans almost inconceivable extremes of size and distance and time. About a half century ago, our galaxy was thought to be alone in the universe. We now know it to be one of a local group of about 20 galaxies. the vast reaches of space are more than 10 billion galaxies, grouped in clusters as far as our most sensitive instruments can reach. Little is known about the evolution of galaxies. By some, are formless or irregular; others elliptical, and still others spiral-shaped. And we know as little about the galactic core. and its role in the galaxy's evolution and structure.
5: You're listening to klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia.
1: The problem has become more perplexing by the discovery that some galaxies are in a state of extreme disarray. Exploding, ejecting gaseous matter, or interacting with other galaxies. Even more puzzling are quasars,
5: mid valley,
1: star like objects,
5: mutations
1: emitting as much energy every second as the sun radiates in some 10 million years. They appear to be among the most remote objects in space.
5: And welcome. To another exciting edition of mid Valley Mutations here on klfm.org in beautiful Split, Croatia. Yeah, you know, you never can say it too many times, it's my motto. This week, uh, we are continuing The Study of the Universe, Part 2, The Most Remote Objects in Space which I thought was a lot of fun last week, and so why not continue to bring it to you this week? Seems like a good idea to me. So uh, this is actually going to be a little bit of a mini-mutations mashup. Uh, I got some stuff here planned for you. Uh, And then uh, I think at the end of the program, we're going to use the media shifter and check in with the, what's this called, 4th of July party quite fun, but I can't quite remember what happened, so I figure i just shift myself back to that time, and that way we can remember. Together. Isn't that nice? But, uh, that's then, and this is now. So, the study of the universe part two the most remote objects in space. And, uh, I think I'm going to start bringing that to you right about now, here on KLFM and mid Valley Mutations.
1: Are born, live out the lifespans and die. The life history of a star is marked by an opposition of two kinds of pressure. One is the pressure created by the energy in the core of the star. The surface outward. The other is the crushing force of gravity pulling the star's surface inward. When these are balanced, a star becomes stable and shines steadily. As hydrogen fuel is depleted, insufficient to withstand the gravitational pressure and the core collapses but compression by gravity raises the temperature in the core and helium ash rekindles the nuclear fires vast amounts of energy are released lift the outer zones against the force of gravity. The star is now a red giant. In the final stage of its evolution, it is the mass of a star that determines its fate. nebula extending past the outer planets. After millions of years, its reserves of nuclear fuel will be exhausted. Its outer layers will have dissipated. And only a white dwarf star remains, no larger than the Earth. Slowly cooling to zero temperature. will end its life as a black, stellar corpse. When a star more massive than the sun reaches the red giant stage, collapse of its core raises its temperature. of the explosion, a residue of the star is crushed by gravity to a neutron core. Only a few miles across. billion tons of its matter would fill only a tablespoon. It spins rapidly generating radio signals in its strong magnetic field. sweeping past the Earth is observed as a pulse. The star is known as a pulsar. An even stranger end is predicted for very massive stars. According to the laws of gravity, as presently understood, nothing can stop its collapse. The star disappears from our universe, leaving a black hole in space. presence can be deduced only by its influence on a visible companion star. distorted out of shape by the black hole's gravitational attraction. gas pulled off a visible star It circulates about the black hole, and in the dizzying plunge, it emits X-rays which can be detected in space. Bizarre object are totally unknown to us. itself must come to an end. If it continues to expand indefinitely, the light of every star will in time be extinct. will disappear into infinite darkness. But if gravity halts the expansion, the universe will fall back on itself. Galaxies will lose their separate identities. Stars will explode. And the sky will again be ablaze with light. forged in some distant and unknown star. On Earth, atoms join together in definite numbers and patterns. compose the organic molecules which form living cells. Since the discovery of complex molecules in the chill vacuum of interstellar space, there is reason to believe galaxies in the universe. There are stars orbited by planets favorable for the evolution of intelligent life. Is space travel to these planets possible? Time and distance may be insurmountable values.
5: You're listening to klfm.org. Mid-Valley. The study of the universe. Mutations.
1: The most remote objects in space. Beating toward the outer planets and beyond. Traveling at 35,000 miles an hour. Would take almost 80,000 years to reach the nearest star. Alpha Centauri. A spacecraft. traveling 2,500 times faster than Pioneer. At 10% the speed of light would require so great an expenditure of energy that until new sources have been tapped, it must remain an invention of science fiction. A more practical strategy in the search for extraterrestrial life is to tune in on radio signals traveling at the speed of light. Beamed, perhaps, by creatures on the planet of some distant star. Someday, an array of telescopes, earthbound or lifted to the far side of the moon, may hear faint but unmistakably meaningful sounds amidst the din of cosmic radio chatter. That moment will signal a change in the human condition that we cannot foresee or imagine. For man, wrote H.G. Wells. no rest and no ending. He must go on. Conquest beyond conquest. And when he has conquered all the deeps of space, and all the mysteries of time,
4: Down beneath our feet is the surface of a planet whirling at thousands of miles an hour around a distant sun. Our life is possible only because of the light warmth of that sun a star yet the sun which shines on us is only one out of billions of such stars in the universe This is one of the world's major observatories. The David Dunlap Observatory, 15 miles north of Toronto. Dr. Donald McCrae is a professor of astronomy at the University of Toronto. Sorry. At any moment, scattered throughout the world, there are hundreds of men and women observing the heavens with optical and radio telescopes. Well, gathering data for the solution of many questions about the universe. Routine work for the most part. McCray's job tonight, if the sky remains clear, will be to take photographs of six stars with the telescope. Six feet in diameter, with its surface shaped to within one millionth of an inch, will catch the light from a star. This light will be reflected from the large mirror onto a smaller one. which in turn will focus it back into a camera at the base of the telescope. Out of the study of hundreds of thousands of observations, Astronomers have pieced together an accurate picture of the universe. Beyond the appearance of starshine and moonbeam, what will the first men to leave the Earth find? Enough is now known that we can, in imagination, Journey into these spaces. 250,000 miles away, the moon. This is the moon that men have worshipped as a goddess, that countless lovers have sighed over and sworn by. It will take immense courage to journey to this place. For on this pitted and pocked wall of pumice and stone, there is no atmosphere. No air to breathe. No sound to hear. By day, the sun's heat would boil water. If there were water. At night, 240 degrees below zero.
7: Unshielded, a man couldn't live here for two minutes.
4: If he were to die, his body would lie unchanged through thousands of years, But nothing grows, and nothing decays. If you were to hover in space beyond the moon, Feeding up in imagination its movement, you would see a majestic procession in the sky. As the moon circles the earth, so the earth itself circles the sun. The sun is the center of a system of nine heavenly bodies. Wheel around it in vast orbits, it's trapped by its gravitational pull. Closest to it, the tiny planet Mercury. On the surface of Mercury, the temperature is hot enough to melt lead. But one face of it is turned perpetually to the sun, only 36 million miles away. If we looked outward from Mercury, we would see the second closest planet, Venus. Shining brighter than the much more distant stars. Venus in orbit 31 million miles further out from the sun is a mystery. For its face is veiled by dust storms, or perhaps dense cloud. Looking outward from Venus, The most brilliant and beautiful object in the sky would be a planet in orbit 25 million miles still further out. Earth. Beyond Earth, shining redly in the night, Older than Earth and smaller. This is the planet men have looked on and wondered whether they are alone in the heaven. It is reasonably certain that the markings on its surface, bluish green in the Martian summer, Rusty brown in the autumn. Indicate vegetation. Here, however, the atmosphere has almost no oxygen. And no creatures like men could live here. 140 million miles from the sun. Past Mars, where there should theoretically be a planet, there are only the asteroids, small bodies ranging from boulders to chunks 300 miles across, hundreds of them swinging in orbit about the Sun. 100 million miles out from the Sun, the giant planet Jupiter, ruling 12 moons. Jupiter is larger than all the other planets put together. Its atmosphere is a thousand miles deep. a poisonous mixture of methane gas, ammonia, and hydrogen, which at the bottom must have the density of water. Here, under the enormous pressure of the atmosphere, being would be crushed beyond recognition these are the rings of
5: Saturn I'm gonna turn things over to the media shifter here in a moment bands 10,000 miles wide so why don't I just mention that you've been listening to the study of the universe part two Composed
4: of almost an infinity of meteoric particles of gravel and ice. The most remote objects in space. Circling the sixth planet.
5: My long ago encounter of the faraway kind. Saturn with its nine moons. Followed by the universe. So far from the sun that it takes 30 Earth years to circle it. Now let's check in with that, what's this called, 4th of July noise cube that was uh, a few days ago. And here the temperature never rises above 240
4: degrees below zero.
5: I can't quite remember how that went. You're listening to klfm.org. Mid-Valley. The study of the universe. Mutations the most remote objects in space. In beautiful split Croatia. Next time. So through September 8th, there is here is Cardo, hello. Are you? Yeah, oh, to be the party. <clears throat> People around, radios going. See some folks. Uh, guess I'll just get set up and okay. Uh, well, yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, what about? I will set up there, and I will plug in over... There, yeah. Does that work? Cool. And then uh, Ricardo will just come by when... Right on, yeah. I'll just stay here with my stuff, and as people come by, we'll... I'll start chatting. And then when he comes over, we can... You can
7: do the thing?
5: No, I'm good. Thanks. This is Mini Mutations here, and uh, this is part of the Fourth of July barbecue, I believe. Yeah, and, 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 and the, the Mini Mutations, how are you going to spend the Fourth of July? Ah, uh, you know, probably just keep it close to the studio. You know, a little uh, new tunes, a little mixing, a little matching. Uh, Might barbecue on the back patio, but nothing too too wild. You know, a little uh, patio action seems to go well this time of year. Ricardo, that was excellent. Thank you for inviting me to the party. I I had a great time. I was just in the corner with my chimes for most of it, but it was fantastic. Alright. Yeah, see ya. Dr. Ork, Mid Valley. The study of the universe. Mutations in beautiful split Croatia. The most remote objects in space. do it for us this week here on the program uh some live mini mutations uh a little media shift back into our fourth of july noise queue over on what's this called and that was a lot of fun uh but yeah i, I kind of missed some of the party because i was just hanging out with my gear performing for most of the night so uh yeah i guess i'll have to check out his show and see how the how the rest of it sounded And then, uh, yeah, I think uh, we already mentioned what those were earlier. I just want to say that this is part of the Close Encounters disco record that Pickwick put out. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to get into some other uh, things uh, afterwards for our two. Uh, Let us know how you're feeling about Dime Star Radio Theater. Do you want that as a separate podcast or are you enjoying it as a separate segment? That's kind of the current question on everybody's mind. Uh, Yeah, things are going pretty well. Uh, Summer's cruising right along, but uh, that also means that, uh, well, uh, there's more radio to be had. So uh, what can I say? You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. Without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you. And now, Dime Store Radio Theater is proud to present another episode of The Adventures of Rocky Jordan from July 10th, 1949. This one is entitled, The Broken
2: Wing. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the Mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story The Broken Wing.
6: There's a saying I've heard around Cairo that all a man needs for happiness is good food and good companions. Me, I add one thing more. That's lots of sleep. So naturally, I don't like it when somebody comes pounding at my tambourine door at 2 o'clock in the morning. But that's what happened, and the pounding got wilder and wilder. So I finally got up, put on my shoes and a robe, and went down the balcony steps into the cafe.
0: Mr. Jarvis, I beg you... Open the door! All right,
6: cut out the noise. I'm coming.
0: Please, Mr. Jordan, make me!
6: I switched on the front light. Through the door glass, I could make out a stooped figure, gray-bearded in Bernouce and fez. I threw the latch, opened the door, and he bowed down, groveling at my feet. I look, Buster, just get up and state your business.
0: Oh, Mr. Jordan, my true effendi. I come to you on my knees. Then Abram... It is I, Ben of the once honored House of Abram.
6: Ben Abram, you don't have to bow down to me. You should know that.
0: Thus I express my distress, Mr. Jordan.
6: Well, look, if there's something wrong, tell me. My
0: good Effendi, you will recall that when you first came to Cairo, I was able to do you a small service? Oh, You
6: better remember. You stood between me and certain of your own people who want to give me trouble. Believe me, I've never forgotten it.
0: It was not with the thought of ever asking a service in return.
6: Sure, I knew that. I owe a great debt to
0: you, Ben Abram. Mr. Jordan, I must entrust to you my greatest treasure... for you to guard and protect. Treasure? Sure. There are many things I cannot explain to you, my Effendi. You must only trust... I trust you just as you trust me. It has been written a promise... Is a man's most priceless gift. You have my promise. Now where is his treasure? Allah be praised. Wait here for a moment.
6: Then Abram ducked quietly down the sidewalk to a dark doorway. In another second, he was coming back, but this time he wasn't alone. Just two steps behind came someone else. And I didn't see who it was until he stepped aside to tenderly draw her before me. a slight but erect figure in native robes. All I could see was her soft, dark eyes above the veil that covered her face.
0: Mr. Jordan, my only daughter, Tarina. Your daughter? Mashallah. She is my treasure. Guard her with your life.
6: Wait a minute, Ben Abram. You can't be leaving her with me. I
0: have no choice. It is your promise. Oh, I know I promise. Farewell, Tarina, my child.
8: Saida, my
0: father. I commend her to you, Mr. Jordan. Hide her quickly. I'll Ben Abram, wait! Ah, not ah, anything
6: yet.
8: My master is not pleased.
6: Oh, everything's just fine. Great.
8: I am most happy, my master.
6: Look, would you mind not calling me... i skip it.
8: As you wish, my master.
6: It's just that uh, there's no place for a girl like you.
8: But you are here.
6: Uh, That's just it. My uh,
8: father says that you will protect me.
6: From what, Tarina?
8: He does not permit me to tell. But in all else, I am at your command.
6: Uh, Sure. What now?
8: Where do you want me to sleep?
6: Sleep? Oh, uh, up those back steps. It's all yours.
8: But will you not show me?
6: That's the way you want it this way
8: I will follow my master
6: uh, there's the bed fresh sheets are over there
8: where will you sleep
6: uh outside lady just give me time to get a few things out of here uh, wait Serena yes what happened to the veil
8: in her own quarters a woman does not wear the veil did you not know uh, no I trust my master will sleep well.
6: Thanks. Then I was outside, but I still had my problem. A girl with the innocent round face of the Nile, people a foreigner rarely sees. A face that trusted me for protection. From what, I had no idea. I started for my office downstairs, then changed my mind and bedded down on a stair landing just outside the door. The floor was hard, and the strange puzzle that had been handed me didn't help with the sleep. But I finally dozed off. I slept for maybe two hours, and I was suddenly sitting up wide awake. I slammed the door open in time to see two big rogue figures coming in through the shattered window from the adjoining roof. I made a dive for the first one. It was like tackling a stone pillar. He wrestled me more like a bear than a man. I got a lucky chance, and he went over my head and sprung... I was set for the second one, and my fist drove him back. He lunged at me, I ducked, and let him go by and turned to meet number one. I must have the chair. I saw the chair coming down, but I was too late. It caught me above the left ear. I was on the floor telling myself to get up, only I didn't. When I finally cleared away some of the cobwebs of the room was empty. From below, I heard the crash of a door being broken open. I threw on some things in quick time, was down through the cafe, through the open door, and out onto the street. Far off down the dark street, I heard running footsteps, and I followed They were always far enough ahead so I couldn't see. When I reached the Sharia Ragoon, they were still nowhere in sight. I hesitated, and I stopped as a little form moved out of the shadows.
1: Bakshi for a poor blind
4: man.
6: Uh, how much does it cost to see a few things?
4: Effendi, oh, I am a helpless man. Very poor. A couple of
6: big Egyptians with a girl. Which way they go?
4: Uh, but the, the dark it is everywhere. I see nothing. No bakshi. Yeah,
6: Let's yeah. help. Uh,
4: the, the piastas. But wait, Effendi, wait.
6: Come on, you don't have to test them. They're good.
4: As you say, Effendi, they are genuine.
6: Uh, what do you see now?
4: Only two piastres. There's
6: some more, but not till you tell me. Uh, suddenly
4: the eyes of this humble man pierced the veil.
6: i make it four piastres.
4: Uh, they went into that great white house over the Nile.
6: Now, dear, go buy yourself some carrots. In two minutes more, I had reached the great house on the Nile. All white. Symbol of power in Egypt. A front gate led to the wide courtyard, and I kept going past the fountain toward the main door till two guards quickly moved from their rooms to bar my way.
2: The intruder will be gone. Uh, I got
6: lots of business here.
2: The house of Sheikh Elhat Bey sleeps.
6: Well, let's wake him up.
2: Back. The unbeliever is asking trouble. You're lot
6: of trouble. You don't want to get mixed up in, brother. To
2: the streets with you. It is a command. Yeah. Well, I'm going the other way.
6: Fatah,
2: up. it is El Hadji.
3: Who comes to disturb the quiet of my house?
2: An Americani, master.
3: Let him approach me. Mm.
6: Guards let go of my arms, and Sheik Elhat Bey waited on the steps before the door. I couldn't help being fascinated with what I saw. Not the colored robes, or the fez that topped a slim face accented by a well-clipped beard. It was something perched on his shoulder, a baza falcon, its beady eyes, hooked beak, and talons gleaming in the moonlight. By what right does an infidel come at this hour? A little case of kidnapping, Elhat Bey. What is your name? name's Rocky Jordan.
3: Now, where's Torina? She is quite safe. She is of no interest to such as you.
6: Think again. Tarina was sleeping at my cafe.
0: Mashallah. She was brought
6: there by her father, Ben Abram. I promised to protect her. You know what a promise means. It was not yours to give. But you admit Tarina was brought here against
3: her will. By the orders of my honored nephew, Fingal Jaruz. I, as his
6: guardian, since the death of his father, give my blessing. Your nephew sent those two muscle boys to drag the girl from her bed? It was his right. Yeah, well, not in my books, Elhot Bay.
3: Mr. Jordan, it is obvious you have much to learn of the ways of the East. Until then, you had best accept my word. What about Ben Abram's word? It is like dirt at my feet. Supposing the police get wind of this, what do they think? May I suggest that you go now and find out, and leave this house in peace? Yeah, not till I see Serena and get her you story. You will not defile her again by your presence? Let her decide that. Then I have no choice. Batal Shamak! throw this unbeliever into the streets. I
7: will,
6: master. I rolled over three times, got up and started back for the gate till I saw the knives the guards had pulled out from somewhere. Then I knew getting to Torino right now would be about as easy as stealing the Sphinx. But it looked like the best thing I could do was to go to Ben Abram and admit I'd failed him. That took me all the way across Cairo to the East Hills. When I got to Ben Abram's house, it was empty. There was no sign of him, so I waited in the court. He finally showed up almost an hour later. He came staggering in at the point of exhaustion. Great red marks across his face and his robe spotted with blood. I got to him and helped him to a bench.
0: Please, please, my friend, My welfare is nothing. But
6: you've been hurt. Look, I'll get you to a doctor. No,
0: tell me of my daughter. Why do you not guard her?
6: I've got bad news, Ben Abram.
0: Oh, tell me quickly.
6: Tarina's in the house of Elhad Bey.
0: It cannot be.
6: I know, I promised, but... Well, two men got in from the roof. They were a little too much for me. They got her away, and I followed them to Sheikh Elhad Bey's house.
0: Then there is nothing more.
6: She was taken there by orders of his nephew. Elhad Bey told me he had the right.
0: Yes, it is as he says.
6: No man has that right. No, I think it's time you made a
0: few things clear. Yes, I must tell you now, Mr. Jordan. I loved my daughter more than my life. It was my desire that she marry in dignity. It has been written: an unwed daughter is like a broken wing. I'm sure, Abram. Three but... years ago, Mr. Jordan, while Tarina was but a child, I promised her as wife to Fingal Jarus, the nephew of Elhad Bey. But since then. I have learned many things about Jarus. He is a kelp, a vicious man, who would bring her nothing but sorrow. I think
6: I'm beginning to see. A
0: few days ago, Jarus came to me demanding that I bring Tarina to him as wife. I begged him to release me from my promise, but he would not listen. Yeah, but as her father... No, Mr. Jordan. She was his, by right of our law. And Fingar would not listen. He threatened to take her from me. I could not entrust her to one of my own people... That's
6: when you brought her to my place.
0: Yes, I was willing to face dishonor to suffer humiliation, but my daughter must be protected from that man. What happened to me was nothing. Looks like I let you down. I am only grateful for your efforts, Mr. Choughton. No, there is no way of getting her back. Look, we can do something. No, man's efforts are as nothing against the will of Allah. It was his decree... Let my promise be
6: fulfilled. I tried a couple of arguments, but all I met with was despair. I could tell Ben Abram wanted to be left alone, so I finally walked away. Just as I reached the gate, a black limousine pulled up. The back door opened, and after carefully adjusting his fez, out stepped Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police.
3: You will stay with me, Jordan.
6: What's the complaint, Sam?
3: You will learn in good time once I have talked with Ben Abram.
6: He's right there in the courtyard. Come along.
3: Ben Abram. It is with regret that I do not come as a guest of your house. Then for what purpose? To ask if you last night were in the home of Sheikh Bey. You do not answer. Supposing he was, Sam? What about... One moment, Jordan. Ben Abram. The marks on your face as from sharp
0: claws. How do you explain them? It is as you say. They are the marks of the falcon. I was at Elhad Bey's house. With the bird, he drove me away.
6: Okay, Sam, maybe you'll be interested to know I was there, too. I
3: do know. Jordan, have I not warned you to keep away from such affairs as this, which do not concern
6: you or any other foreigner? Abram entrusted Serena to my care. To me, what has happened is kidnapped. I know our ways aren't always the same. Indeed, they are not, Jordan. Look, how about getting to the point?
3: The nephew of al is dead, slain by the knife. <gasps> You're
6: not accusing one of us.
3: Perhaps that is not necessary. Oh, wait. At what time was Fingar killed? But a short time after your daughter was brought to the house.
0: Very well. It is best that I confess. I killed Fingar. Now do with me what you will. <laughs>
2: listening to The Broken Wing, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Don't miss the brand new comedy show coming up tomorrow night on most of these same stations. And steady now, it's called Breakfast with Burroughs. Yes, the fellow who wrote The Girl with the Three Blue Eyes, the man who gets up so late he has breakfast in the middle of Monday evening, will be on hand with a bright, new, highly original program. And as though you hadn't guessed, his first name is Abe. So tomorrow, don't please don't go to bed until you've had breakfast with Abe Burrows on CBS tomorrow night at
7: 6.30.
2: Now we return you to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, the Broken Wing.
6: Well, ordinarily, I don't mix in family feuds, especially in Cairo. But I owed a debt to Ben Abram. When he entrusted his daughter, Tarina, to my protection, I had no choice. And I failed. Tarina was captured by her promised husband. Shortly after that, he was killed. When confronted with the news, Ben Abram confessed to the murder. Sam Sabaya took us to headquarters, got my story, and put Ben Abram in a cell. Then he let me stay with the old man for a few minutes, and I tried to get some sense out of him.
0: My good effendi, it is for the best.
6: I don't see it that way, Ben But
0: you must not concern yourself about me.
6: I just don't think you're a man
0: who would kill, that's all. Mr. Jordan, can you not see? What does murder mean to a soul that is already lost? Tarina is now free from the rash promise I once made. Look, you still have time to change that confession. No. no, please leave me now. I ask but one thing of you. Yeah? The happiness of my daughter. I leave her in your hands. Forever.
6: I left him then. Ben Abram had given me a tall order, but I had to do what I could. Anyhow, I wanted to clear up a few things in my own mind, so I went back down to the big white house of Sheik Elhad Bay on the banks of the Nile. There was a steady stream of friends and relatives going in by way of the court. The bay was there at the door, greeting the mourners. The falcon still perched on his shoulder. Have I not sent you once from this house? I uh, just came back to set things right, El Bay. And another time,
3: Jordan. My
8: most gracious El Bay. What would you have, woman? It is I whom you summon. For a few pieces of silver I come to mourn for the departed one. It is well.
3: Take the silver. Uh, Retire now to the upper chambers and well with the others.
8: Not a shock here. Anomaly. Anomaly. A moment,
3: woman. Your grief is most restrained. Perhaps a few more pieces of silver.
8: (laughs) But there is more.
6: Hey, now, uh, how about a word with me, huh? Have you not gone? I just want you to know getting mixed up in this wasn't my idea. You have come to tell me that. She Bay, the last thing I want to do is meddle in the affairs of your people. I hope you believe that. I regret very much the death of your nephew.
3: I will make peace with you. Peace, my lord. Thanks.
6: Do you mind telling me where Tarina is?
3: She has no place in my house now. The girl is gone.
6: Where? I do not know. Let's see. Oh, uh, one thing more. I'd like to see Fingal's body.
3: It has not been prepared for burial.
6: As a special favor?
3: Then I'll go. Very well. I cannot refuse. This way, please. The adjoining room. My nephew is here. The only son of my elder brother. Yeah. I pray you spend little time. A bandage on his chest. The knife was there. Do you think Ben Abram did it? By his own confession. For this outrage against my house, he also will die.
6: Well, I took my cue and got out. Elard Bay had no reason that I could see to lie about Torina. I knew she wasn't there. But there was no stopping now till I'd found her and set Ben Abram's mind at rest. I took the long trip back out to Abram's place, but Torina wasn't to be found. I tried a few people I knew were Abram's friends, and they'd seen nothing of her. For an American man to find a veiled Muslim girl poses too many problems. And I was finally back at Ben Abram's cell, telling him his daughter was gone.
0: You must find her, Refin.
6: Where would she be?
0: What's she hiding from? She's a tender child, only frightened. This has been a terrible ordeal for her. You still
6: say you killed Fingo?
0: There was no other way. Can you not see... I him? had a look at Fingo. I'm uh, surprised you went for his throat. It had to be done quickly. The knife at the throat is certain. Ben Abram, you got a promise for me
6: that still stands. But from now on, I got to have the truth.
0: I do not understand.
6: Fingal was stabbed in the chest. Only you didn't know that. Not the throat at all. It does not matter. Well, it does to me. Come on, admit it. You didn't kill him.
0: Say what you will. Uh, I thought
6: so. You're covering for Tarina, aren't you? You think she did
0: it? She could have. Oh, please forget this thing, Mr. Jordan. I am an old, disgraced man. She young with a full life before her. But the fact that you didn't do it... I alone am responsible for her sorrow. Should I not pay the penalty? I'm not the one to decide that. Mr. Jordan, before Allah, I swear the guilt shall remain on my shoulders.
6: That's when I left Ben Abram. From now on, it was up to Tarina. She'd have to make the choice. But right then, I was kind of beat. I went back to the tambourine, drew a beer from the tap, and went up the steps and went back to my room where I could do some thinking. Where I'd find Torina or where the search would begin was anybody's guess. But when I opened the door to my room, that much was answered.
8: I await my mother.
6: Torina, Where have you been?
8: It was the command of my father that I remain here. I return as soon as possible.
6: But how? Nobody saw you.
8: A veiled girl could not enter by the door of this place. I came as the others last night, by the roof.
6: You sure know how to get around.
8: My master, I will learn of my father. Where is he?
6: He's in jail, Serena, for the murder of Fingal.
8: But what does my father say?
6: He confessed. To me and everybody else.
8: as I feared. I prayed to Allah it would not be so.
6: Yeah, now it's up to you whether he stays there or
8: not. I do not understand. I would do anything.
6: So happens I know Ben Abram didn't kill Finko. But
8: you say he confessed. Is it not so?
6: Only to protect you, Serena. He thinks you did it. And maybe I do too.
8: No. No, that is not true.
6: I said it's up to you, Serena. Keep quiet and you know what will happen to your father. He thinks that will make you happy, but I
8: don't. My master let me speak. It is true that my father gave me the knife charging me to protect myself. When I was taken before Fingal in the house of his uncle, he swore he would have me as wife. It was then that I drew the knife.
6: Let's have the rest of it.
8: I drove it at his chest. But I am weak and he was strong. The knife only scratched him. He threw me back in great fury and left the room, shouting I should be taken to the harem. I did not see him again.
6: You think anyone's going to believe that, Serena?
8: They have only to look at the wound, my master.
6: <coughs>
3: Captain Savaya speaking.
6: Uh, Rocky Sam.
3: Yes, Jordan.
6: Uh, has there been an autopsy on Fingal Jerus?
3: Autop- certainly not. For what possible reason do you ask?
6: Well, you better do it, Sam. You'll find out some things.
3: I will do no such thing. Besides, the burial procession leaves within the hour.
6: Then get busy. There still may be time to stop it.
3: Jordan, you know that cannot be done without
6: cause. All you have to do is check on Sheik Elhad background. He was uh, quite a gambler, Sam. Find out how he stands financially. You'll get a surprise.
3: What are you driving at, Jordan?
6: Fingal was the only son of Elhad Bey's elder brother. Now they're both dead. Who stands to benefit most by Fingal's death?
3: That is of no consequence. We have the confessed murderer.
6: But it's all wrong. Uh, hurry, Sam. Meet me at Elhard Bay's house in ten minutes.
8: Jordan, you will not go to that place in such a time. Think
6: again, Sammy. I'll see you there.
8: What would you have me do, master?
6: Stay right here, Tarina. Keep those pretty little fingers crossed. I was off again for the big white house of Chic Bay. This time, I knew the reason why. In nine minutes flat, I was there, and I didn't make it any too soon. The funeral procession was already moving out across the court. They had a drum beating, and along with the wailers, all in all, it promised to be a first-class affair. Right in the lead came Sheik Elhad Bey, falcon and all.
3: Stand from the gate, Jordan.
6: You're uh, rushing things a little, aren't you, Elhad Bey?
3: Can you not see the procession has begun?
6: Why not the usual three-day wait? Afraid the police and come nosing around, maybe? Silence. The infidel would not desecrate the dead. Yeah, by the way, just how did Fingal die? By the knife of Ben Sure. You want your nephew buried real quick so everyone will keep on believing that, right? Of um, what do you speak now? Supposing an autopsy proved the knife wound was nothing but a scratch. You knew Tarina tried to stab Fingal but didn't kill him. So you decided to finish the job. Guard your words, Jordan. How'd you do it, with poison? Well, it's easy to find out, Elhad. The main thing is, you knew the blame would go to either Torino or Ben Abram. You didn't care which. And you'd have the family of wealth. Guards, Remove the lying infidel! They needn't bother. I was just going for a chat with the Cairo police.
7: Bazaar! Attack! Kill Bazaar! Kill!
6: Before I could turn, the giant falcon was on me, striking with terrific power and driving me to the ground. I scrambled to my feet, shielding my face with my arms as the bird knifed in with its sharp claws. My shirt was in ribbons, my arms and head slashed in a dozen places. Now the falcon began circling and striking with its powerful wings, drive me down again. I braced myself for the third strike, but it never came. There was just one shot, and the winged killer lay dead at my feet. Ah, well, maybe it was loss of blood or exhaustion... Downright fear. Maybe all three. Anyhow, for a while after that, I didn't know much. It was water on my face that brought me out of it. I was lying by the fountain. The procession had vanished, except for a couple of police at the gate. I was getting personal attention from Sam Sabaya.
3: No, no, no. Lie quietly, Jordan. I will soon have the bleeding stopped. Oh, is, there, is
6: there anything you can't do, Sam? <laughs>
3: When one must contend with your unpredictable escapes, Jordan, much knowledge is necessary. What about Sheik Elad? As you said, Jordan, Fingal's knife wound was superficial. The sheikh is being held pending in a topsafe. Oh, and my hunch was right. The fact that the sheikh made this bizarre attempt on your life is proof enough at the moment. What about Ben Arbor? I have ordered his immediate release. Uh, Jordan, is there uh, nothing more you wish to ask? What about? Tarina. As Ben Abram reminds me, a promise is a man's most priceless gift. What are you getting at? He says he has promised his daughter to you, Jordan. Oh, no. Not on your life. Look, look, you've got to talk to him. (laughs) Calm yourself, Jordan. I have convinced him that you will release him from his promise. You will not have to... Marry the girl.
6: (laughs) Sam, why don't you mind your own business?
2: It's CBS again at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. And, uh, Rocky Jordan, written by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman, stars Jack Moyles in the title role and was produced by Cliff Howell and directed tonight by Gordon T. Hughes, with original music by Richard Arant. Larry Thor speaking, this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.